As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. All right, Joel. So we're back. We are. I don't think we were gone very long, but we're back. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> after doing two a week for almost two years, um, even just taking a month or so off feels like forever. It does. Yeah. Yeah. We've been in the grind. Yeah. And and we didn't stop working. What What we wanted to do, like we said in the last episode, was actually reformat the show. And that's what we're going to bring you today is the new format of Rocketship FM. One of the things I've become more interested in too, which is why I'm so excited about this new format, is kind of the that art of storytelling. Do you remember the elements of a good story? Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot. Um uh-huh. it is a a hero overcoming an obstacle to achieve a goal. Done. Did I get it right? <laughs> yes. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. 
podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. So one of the biggest things that we see in um, startups and in the media is these funding announcements. Pat, a billion dollars is a big number. Travis Kalanick announcing today in a blog post that the company raised $1.2 billion. Uh, SD just received $1.5 million in seed funding to help you rent stress-free. Rumors of a round, but raising a billion dollars is just amazing in and of itself, let alone at a $20 billion valuation. We wanted to understand better what it means. What do companies actually look like when they're raising that seed or or that Series A, and what is the difference between those rounds? Uh, you guys recently acquired Churnbuster and raised kind of an angel round to be able to do that. Basically, what we did was um, we raised a combination family and friends round, and also from some um, advisor slash investors in the industry that were um, kind of what I call value add investors. Now, wait, so you said value add investor. What does that mean to you? There's a difference between just getting money and getting money with a person behind it who is in a position to help you know what to do with that. Okay, got it. So they're giving you money, but they're also able to add a business value um, to the relationship. So how did the financing work on this round? Our first gut was to do it in debt. So we were going to take out a loan uh, to acquire the company and then basically go about it the way we've always gone about it and treat it kind of like a bootstrapped um, venture. And the more we talked about it and the more we talked about it with other people and saw the interest of them wanting to get involved, we realized that you know not only did we not need to take on that risk, but the reason they wanted to get involved isn't necessarily because of the product. The investors are investing in the team at that point. So what did your team look like? Myself, Matt, and our partner, Ken Johnson, who came from Manpax. He had recently sold his company, Manpax, and was kind of looking for the next thing. I don't think anyone's goal should be to have a startup. Anyone who ever, you know, creates a startup, their goal is to have a business. And so after the the angel round typically comes a seed stage. And this is one of the first stages where you start to see companies start to pop up in the media. Funding announcements start to happen. And I really wanted to try to understand what what is a proper seed. Yeah, a whole a whole lot of opinions out there on this one. That's Thomas Canole, a 500 Startups advisor, and currently at Revelry.co, where he does um, executive coaching. Um, I mean, th- so the way I think about it is uh, it's not really the friends and family. Um, you know, you're probably taking money from people you don't know yet, and you're having to pitch them on it instead of like, oh, cute, our you know, friend slash nephew slash, you know, son-in-law slash, you know, whatever is, is like starting a company. Um, oh yeah, we want to kind of support this dream. Um, so I think it's not that. Um, and, and I also, you know, I'd say generally you're not talking about a priced round. In other words, you're not putting an exact valuation on the company. And so the money that's coming in is not directly, you know, purchasing 
a percentage of the company, um, you know, it's, it's probably uh, a note um, or a uh, warrant, you know, but it's one of these things that basically says, you know, we're putting this much money in, you're giving us kind of a cap of what the company is worth, but you're not saying it's worth, you know, 5 million, 10 million today. So with that, what is it? typical seed company raising. And Joelle, I know you did a bit of research on some of the numbers here. Yeah, so a kind of, say, quote-unquote, true seed round would typically be between 250000 to, say, $2 million. That can be a bit higher right now because we're in an inflationary period, but typically I'd say, like, the median amount raised for a seed round is going to be somewhere around a million dollars. What are they raising that money for? Like, what stage is that company at? So at this point, you're still pretty early stage. You've probably found some product market fit, uh, although you may not have it totally dialed in yet. The biggest reason to do the raise um, is because you want to hire some additional people. It's usually already, you know, going to be, we've been working on this idea. We haven't been paying ourselves. Um, it's starting to work. See here, let me show you why. Um, and uh, we're convinced that if we would accelerate the growth of the company by, you know, adding additional people to the team so that we can build twice as fast or three times as fast, uh, or, you know, depending on the company, like, you know, this is working, but just not enough people know about it. Here's this, you know, reason that we believe that, um, you know, investing in some, you know, marketing or ad spend to just increase awareness, you know, will stay in these similar, you know, convert um, in in similar ways. So let's throw fuel on that fire so that, you know, we can get things growing more quickly. You know, but it's probably mostly about let's hire some other people to work on this who, Probably still have equity, but there wouldn't be, you know, co-founders uh, of the company. Who is investing in this round? Is it angels, super angels? Um, is this where venture capital starts to play? Usually, you're going to be talking to angels that are investing their own money. Um, Normally at the seed stage, you're, so you're not going to have a VC or like an institutional investor, which means they own a fund that all of their limited partners have invested in. They kind of like operate a big fund. They're kind of like bank managers that just do high risk loans. Um, so, you know, that that's a VC. A lot of times they're not going to get involved at the stage. Um some of them are starting to recognize like they really missed out on a chance to get into some now huge companies um, at a very early stage because they said, oh, we don't do that. Um, so some of them are starting to just carve off what for them is a small like $50 million of their, you know, $5 billion in management. And it's starting to do like, you know, the 50K, 100K, 200K out of a, you know, like 500 thousand dollar round all right joel i've got another one for you here convertible note uh, a form of short-term debt that you would convert into equity at a later date um, so basically what it allows you to do is raise money now before you're ready to commit to what your valuation is going to be say in six months or a year so just so I understand, so say I I get, have a convertible note for five hundred thousand dollars, 
And six months later, I close my seed round and it values my company at $2 million. That convertible note now converts into 25% equity in my company, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, the goal is not to raise an A round so that you can become profitable. The goal is to raise an A round so that you can hit milestones so that you can raise your B round. Like once you start into the institutional money, the goal isn't profit. The goal is growth. That was a clip from our interview with Jason Cohen, who is the co-founder of WP Engine. Uh, Michael, in your opinion, what does a true Series A look like? So a Series A, and, and from the people that we, we kind of interviewed to learn a bit more about what the Series A is, it was very much about figuring out scale and finding new verticals. So oftentimes after the seed, they have a vertical that works. The A was about how do we grow this? How do we make this even bigger? And so I wanted to learn a bit more about the Series A and what it was like. So I called up our friend Kyle Wild at Keen.io. Yeah, there. You know, well, the, the honest answer is we needed to be able to make payroll, and we weren't profitable, um, so we needed to raise some amount of outside capital. One of the main goals we wanted to fill was, you know, we were building, we have built a technology that people that our, com- our customers rely on. We become a part of their business, a part of their stack, a part of their, really the nervous system of their company, right? Like we're the, we become their sort of system of record for analytics. And that's a really big thing to ask a customer to do when, you know, you're just a few random engineers out of state school, went through an accelerator, raised a little seed money. Um, so we wanted to bring on an investor uh, who had the cachet to get this into bigger accounts. Um, so. Uh, we brought in Sequoia Capital, and one of the reasons, uh, just besides all the great things about the firm, one of the things that's been very, that's been valuable is that uh, customers are way less scared to build on us and to use us as a core part of their infrastructure after the versus before. And that was a tar- that was one of the goals we had in mind. And we also talked with Peter Reinhardt of Segment IO about why they raised their Series A. Uh, sort of just before the Series A, we actually still had about 50% of the cash left over from our seed funding. Um, but we had just grown from zero to a million in annual revenue uh, in the previous six months, and we really wanted to accelerate hiring. Um, so I worked with our part-time CFO uh, to try to figure out how much to raise and when. Uh, and since the team in itself was by far the biggest planned expenditure, um, followed by office space, which is sort of a derivative of the team size, uh, we built a financial model around the planned hiring pace. Uh, and so even with 50% of our seed funding left, uh, we wouldn't be able to grow at the desired pace without raising additional capital. Um, so anyways, we decided to raise the Series A, uh, and we planned to raise 10, but ended up raising about 15 um, because of pro rata and investor excitement. So how much do companies typically raise in a Series A? So traditionally, it was between 2 and $15 million. Um, but recently, we've seen that amount rise to between 7 and $15 million as a typical Series A. So is this where you start to move away from the smaller angel investors and get more into that VC domain? Yes, exactly. This is when you see uh, Sequoias and... Um, 
benchmark Greylock, Anderson Horowitz coming in and leading these Series A rounds. Uh, they're making more calculated bets. They have a lot more data to make their decisions on. And so we see some of the bigger players coming in at this Series A round. And one of the other consequences of raising a Series A is you're expected to hire. And so you quickly go from 15 people to sometimes 50. And so we asked Peter Reinhardt where they did their hiring. Uh, so let's see. We In the year after raising the A, we grew from about 12 people to 40 people. Uh, and most of that was actually in the customer-facing side of the business. So it was uh, basically to support sort of a rapidly growing customer base, uh, so sales and support. And I discussed with Kyle Wild some of the changes that happen as you grow from you know that 15 to 50 range, which is really interesting. There's a big thing that happens somewhere between 15 and 50. Uh, a lot of people say it's around 30, where you need a lot more corporate structure and organization so that people can understand, people who join the company can understand who does what. So you can't join a company and then meet 50 people and take notes on what they do. You have to have some kinds of abstractions to envelope those people. Uh, so we, you know, we made teams and structure and, and budgets and things that, honestly, before the Series A, we didn't need. We all knew what was going on all the time, all, all the way across the business. Um, so I think we've matured more as an organization. Um, and that's probably just a function of how many people we have. I think anyone who scales from 15 to 50 had better get that right. So as you get into these VC-led rounds um, and you get into the Series A, you're going to start to hear some terminology thrown around that might be new. Um, so let's just cover some of that. I'm curious, Michael, if you can define for us what a term sheet is, because that's that's something that you hear a lot. And I think that there's some confusion around what that really is. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the exciting moment in a negotiation when... Um, the venture capital firm or the investor typically hands this mythical term sheet to um, to the company. And what it is, it's a bullet point document that outlines the terms um, of that business agreement. And so it'll have, you know, legal outlines, uh, financial outlines, and it defines how what the valuation of that company is um, and wh- how much that uh, investor is willing, how much equity that investor is willing to buy and what are the terms of that equity? What type of equity is it? Uh, how about vesting? So um, this is, you know, at this stage, a series A, you probably have some employees and, and you probably have covered vesting in, in some form. But, you know, at Series A is when you start doing more hiring. You have more capital. It's one of the big expectations that when you raise, uh, you will start hiring. And so vesting is how employees will acquire their equity shares. And so typically it's three to four years. And there's different terms around do they get it all after four years? Do they do they vest at a quarter every year? And what can they? How do they actually acquire those shares? What kind of buyout do they have? And what happens when uh, the company raises the next round? What happens with dilution? How do those shares relate to the shares of the, the other shares in the company, um, which would be the investor shares and the founder shares? What about pro rata rights? What'd you learn there? Pro rata rights are the right to do follow on investments. Um, you know, an angel has, uh, you know, has 20% equity in a company at, you know, and, and they've invested, you know, 500000 to get that. Uh, on the next round, 
that to get another 20% stake is going to be more expensive. So they're buying less um, stake in the company uh, for more money, essentially. And sometimes angels aren't willing to be exposed that much, and they would rather have their initial 20% slightly diluted and hang on to it than to follow on and keep putting more money for less of a percentage. Well, why would they have to make either decision? Well, they hang on to it no matter what. Um, but if they execute this pro rata right, then, you know, then they have to now finance, you know, part of the next round is what they're agreeing to. And so, but that finance doesn't buy them the same, you know, that, that 500,000 that they put in the first time got them 20%. Now the 500,000 might only get them 6%. And and that's the decision that they need to make. Is that is that five hundred thousand better to put into six six percent of a fifty million dollar company that may be growing, or should I take that five hundred thousand and take another twenty percent of a small, more risky company? Yes, I think if you if you raise you know tens of millions of venture capital like like we have, then you're sort of signing a tacit agreement to get the company either acquired or take it public, um, as opposed to the dividend route. Um, and then the segment is too large and sort of growing too quickly for an aqua hire. Um, so an, acqui- and an acquisition doesn't make sense, like a normal acquisition doesn't make sense for segment because we sit at the center of this ecosystem and we're sort of like this unbiased Switzerland within that ecosystem. And we help our customers navigate it. So being acquired by anyone in that space would sort of inevitably destroy that value. Uh, so our path is pretty clear, actually. It's sort of go big or go home. So we're shooting for IPO. After the A, um, we've kind of explored through the seed and the A. And then, you know, obviously comes the B. And this is where today we're going to kind of stop because we feel um, while there are, are differences between a B, a C, a D, um, a lot of them are, it has to do with scaling, the size of the business, where you want to take that business. So for our purposes today, the last thing we're going to explore is um, the B, which is all about scaling um, your business. And so Joel, what, what, do, what does a Series B company typically look like? Yeah, so a Series B company is in scale mode, right? So you, you figured out, your pipeline, you figured out your verticals, you've grown your team, um, you're continuing to grow, and now and now it's just all about scaling. So typically, when you raise a B, you're raising you know 20 million plus, um, often t- oftentimes 50 million or more, and this money is used you know purely to scale. You're hiring a lot of salespeople, um, you're growing your user base, you're investing in ads marketing. Um, it's all about growth at this point. So are, are these often the same investors that are in your A round? Oftentimes, yeah, they are the same investors, um, especially if you're growing and they see your trajectory, they're going to want to stay involved. There are other investors that may come in at this point as well. Uh, that's not uncommon at all. One of the the common terms that you start to hear at Series B is preferred stock. Um, what did you find when when you you kind of looked into this job? The primary difference between preferred stock and common stock really relates to the order in which people are paid out in a liquidity event. 
So you're saying that um, investors that you know come in later can actually demand that they are paid out first. Yeah, and a lot of VCs have the leverage to do that, uh, especially with the amount of money that they're investing in you. And so basically, what that means is, if you decide to sell the company and the sale price is less than the total amount of investment you've taken, and the VC has preferred stock they get paid out first and there's a good chance that your angel investors won't get paid out anything and you yourself also won't get paid out anything even though you've sold a company which is usually a sign of success it, it isn't necessarily it, it can be risky to sign on for this kind of capital uh, when you yourself could be could be taking you know your equity and and putting it at, at risk essentially yeah absolutely um, there's no such thing as free money and uh when VCs are investing not only this amount of money, but this amount of money across many, many companies, uh, they're hedging their bets and they know that only a certain percentage are going to be winners. And for the ones that are going to be losers, they want to get back at least as much as they can on each one. And so they have this um, preferred stock kind of leverage in place so that they're at least getting something back each time, even though that often means that you as the founder of the company who's been slaving, you know, nights and days and weekends on this company, uh, you may end up with nothing uh, at the end of the day. And now kind of speaking of that, kind of along the same lines, um, liquidity is is another word that we throw around. Um, define that that for me. So basically what liquidity is, is a way for all of this uh, – theoretical money that you talk about, um, valuations and things like that to become actual cash that gets paid out to your investors and to yourself and your team and whoever else is involved. So what'd you kind of learn today, Joelle? Uh, I learned that there's still a lot to learn. <laughs> uh, you know, even we, we covered some basic terminology here that, uh, we barely scratched the surface on and there's a lot more there. So if this is something you're interested in, um, shoot us a note because we could definitely do a deeper dive into some of this content. I felt like we just peeled an onion, um, but we have yeah. so many more layers to go until we get to the core. Yeah. And, and I think as we get deeper in this series and talk a little more high level about kind of the state of funding and, and what things look like, um, in the industry, having this kind of base knowledge is going to help uh, understand why some things are shaping up the way that they are. So you mentioned a series. Can you can you tell them uh, what's coming up? Cool. Yeah, so uh, we're doing a series here all about funding. And this was our first one, kind of just going through the basics, um, setting that groundwork. But really what we're going to get into now is um, kind of history of how this came to be, why Silicon Valley um, what things look like today and where we're headed. I'm sure a lot of you have heard talk about if there's a bubble, is there not a bubble? Uh, we'll talk about some of that. And um, we'll talk about some liquidity events and kind of full cycle of what, um, of what raising capital really looks like. All right, so big thanks to Peter Reinhardt from Segment.io. Nick Francis from Help Scout, Kyle Wild from Keen.io, and Thomas Canole, uh, the one and only. When you get a chance, visit our website, rocketship.fm, 
Subscribe to our newsletter and subscribe on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any more of this funding series and future series that we have in store for you. And if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter at RocketShipFM. You could follow me at Michael Saka and Joelle at Joelle Goldman. 